Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. It is a busy week on your television. Lots of new and returning shows coming your way for the fall. So get comfy. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. We're going back to the Butlerverse to review Gerard Butler's newest thriller. It's called Last Seen Alive. Plus, there's a movie out this week that has me thinking, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. But let's get right into what is new, what is returning to your television this week. We actually had a couple of big ones um, just midweek. The Handmaid's Tale Season 5 has come back. Atlanta Season 4 making its way back on Netflix this weekend. Season 2 of a show called Fate the Winx Saga, and this was a show about uh, fairies. It was a high school for fairies, and as silly as that may sound, it turned out to be actually a really pleasant surprise. I quite enjoyed that last year, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. Dateline Season 31 makes its debut, 48 Hours, Season 35, and then uh, as we move into Sunday the 18th, and we'll just go, we'll sort of go back and forth here by day. That's where it starts to get a little bit busier. You've got season 55 of <laughs> 60 Minutes airing on CBS and on Global. Uh, the $100,000 Pyramid finale is on. Tales of the Walking Dead, the finale is on. Uh, so, yeah. And then Monday gets even busier, Jeff Braun. It does. and Well, it starts with the Dancing with the Stars, uh, which will now be on Disney Plus, as it turns out. Season 22 of The Voice. That's been on 22 seasons. Wow. Do they do like four seasons a year or something like that? <laughs> I, think there, I think there was a time where they would do two seasons a year. Yep. Wow. That seems unnecessary. Season 6 of uh, 911. Season 5 of a show called The Neighborhood. Uh, Bob Hart. Oh, Bob Hart's Evashola, Season 4. I, for a second there, I got excited and thought it was a new Bob Newhart show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, season two of The Cleaning Lady. Season 20 of Navy Cops Investigating Stuff, NCIS, the original <laughs> recipe. And season two of NCIS Hawaii. And then there's the remake of Quantum Leap, which I'm a little bit interested in. But, Brett, would you believe it if I told you that I never watched the original Quantum Leap? Well, first of all... If we're going to talk about Quantum Leap, we got to get the theme song going in here. No, hey, I would believe that because it was it was a big show when it first aired on NBC, but wasn't for everybody. And like the fact that it lasted as long as it did, I went five seasons or maybe six seasons for a show about a guy who like keeps jumping from like into the bodies of various people. It's just ludicrous, and it really is cheesy. But it's so much fun, and it's really, I thought, a really emotional t and touching show. I will say, I, I tried to watch it a couple of times. I think three times I turned it on, and I literally caught the same episode all three times. <laughs> like, the first run of whatever episode it was, and then two other times, just the same rerun they kept showing or whatever. It's like, why is it always this episode? Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. The original, of course, was about Dr. Sam Beckett, who... I can't even remember what the original experiment was, but his experiment went wrong and he ended up basically swapping bodies with people and he kept leaping into different people's bodies in different 
uh, times of throughout the decades, and he he basically had to set something right that once went wrong, and he kept hoping that the next leap would be the leap home. And uh, so I'm curious to see what they do with that remake. Uh, by the way, the NC, the Navy Navy cops, the the neighborhood nine one one. Those are all shows uh, with our friends on Global, and then on Tuesday we've got. The finale for The Bachelorette, season five of FBI. I believe that one's on Global as well. Um, the Resident, season six. The Voice, as you mentioned, so it starts on Monday and then it'll continue on Tuesday. FBI International, also on Global, and a new one on Global. This one's called Monarch, and Monarch is about... Hang on a second here. I've got the uh, the tagline the other day, I just read it the other day. The Romans are country music's reigning royal family, but the foundation of their success is a lie. Monarch, starring Susan Sarandon. And uh, that one actually, oh, you know what? Looks like that started, um, that one started this past Wednesday on Global, but it starts on Fox. Oh, I, okay, I see what's happening here. They aired a sneak preview on Sunday, September 11th on Fox. And Tuesday is now its regular time slot on that network. And Monarch debuted on Global on Wednesday, September 14th. Okay, got it. And then uh, New Amsterdam final season uh, making its uh, last run on television. And uh, moving on to next Wednesday, the 21st, it's season 43 of Survivor. That'll be exciting. Always love when Survivor comes back. I don't know. Is there a gimmick this year? I, I, I may have heard. I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. The gimmick thing, thing usually dies off pretty quick. Uh, hopefully, it's just sort of a straight Survivor this time around. You can't remember if there's a gimmick for that one, but uh, yeah. who cares? Yeah, I mean, well, we're both going to watch it no matter what. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, a bunch of the Chicago shows are back. We've got Season 8 of Chicago Med, Season 11 of Chicago Fire, and Season 10 of Chicago PD. As well, we're going to get Season 8 of The Masked Singer, Season 5 of The Connors. That's five. I'm surprised that's already in five years. Season 10 of The Goldbergs, Season 3 of Lego Masters, Season 2 of Abbott Elementary, uh, Season 3 of Big Sky, and Season 34 of The Amazing Race. Ah, new Amazing Race. The Amazing Race Canada, by the way, wraps up on Tuesday. It has been a fabulous season, so I can't wait to see how the finale goes down. And there was a bit of a twist going into the finale, so it should be a fun final episode. And um, we're going to get a little bit more into Abbott Elementary after this. Just looking at uh, Thursday, this is interesting. Netflix has something called Thai Cave Rescue. And I think this is the same story that Prime just released on uh, in the form of a movie. Was it 13... <laughs> Shoot, I can't remember what it was called already. <laughs> Netflix is a limited uh, series, whereas Prime did a movie. 13 Lives. 13 Lives, thank you. Sorry, jeez. I, yeah. It's like, why do we always have to have these like competing projects on the same thing? Volcano, Dante's Peak, Armageddon, um, Deep Impact. Hollywood. Hollywood. Okay. So that's on Netflix. Law and Order Organized Crime, Season 3. S Law and Order SVU, Season 24. And looks like there's going to be a crossover there. And Law and Order Season 22 is back, and that uh, takes us through the week. So holy smokes, that's a lot of stuff. And uh, a couple of shows I'm actually going to watch. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to a lot of it. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about one of those shows now that we just briefly mentioned. Now, I mean, Succession and Ted Lasso were technically the big winners at the Emmys last week. But another show won a couple of awards and probably got a few more eyes turned its way. It was Abbott Elementary, a sitcom on ABC and Global. And it's about teachers in a Philadelphia public school. My favorite movie is American Gangster. I will be having a third talk with your mom about what you're watching at home. I'm Janine Teagues. I've been teaching second grade here at Abbott Elementary for a year now. The staff here is incredible. There is a seven-year-old custodian who voted for Kanye teaching social studies. That's who runs the world, kids. I'm looking for Miss Coleman. Hello. I'm the sub. Oh! I thought one of my colleagues here hired a stripper for me. <laughs> okay. The main problem in the school district is, yeah, no money. You tried to flush the toilet and the water shot back up in the air. No one told you about reverse toilet. No, okay. why is that even a thing? Just a day in the life of being a teacher here. You get used to it. And that smell in the wall? Oh, no, you're never going to get used to that. Okay. So. Abbott Elementary won Emmys for writing and uh, for supporting actress for Cheryl Lee Ralph. And it's been a while since a network sitcom won any Emmys. I imagine the last ones to win big were Modern Family or The Big Bang Theory. I'd heard of the show. I'd heard very good things about the show. So it was on my radar, but a little bit, but I just never watched it. And that's about to change because the entire first season is available on Disney Plus and season two, like we said, begins this Wednesday on ABC and Global. That first season's only 13 episodes. They're 22 uh, minute long episodes because it's network TV. Uh, I gathered it aired initially for the first time this past January, and then they'll get a full 22 episode season for that second season that starts this week. So hopefully if I can make a good dent this weekend, I'll have a lot more to say about Abbott Elementary next week. And since we're talking about the Emmys, Brett, a couple of surprises like Abbott Elementary, but there were a lot of expected winners. The Emmys love to give the same shows the same awards year after year after year if they can, hence the repeat succession and Ted Lasso wins, although no one's really complaining about that. The the repeat Better Call Snow. Better Call Saul snubs are kind of irritating. That show has still never won an Emmy, despite nearly 50 nominations over the years. Uh, it's very weird when you consider that its predecessor, Breaking Bad, was just showered with awards during its run. I think Brian Cranston won the Emmy for Best Actor every season that show was on. The good news, although I don't know if I get my hopes up at this point, is that because of the way that this past final season of Better Call Saul was split in half, it will be eligible again at next year's Emmys, but that's a long way off. And if they haven't given the show anything yet, I don't know that I see them starting in September 23 for a series that ended in August 2022. Yeah, that's too bad about Better Call Saul. And you're right. By the time the Emmys air next year, that's going to have fallen so far off the radar. But uh, they've got to, they have to give give them something. <laughs> Like, just throw, throw them some sort of a scrap. Like, give them a writing award or something, at the very least. I sort of thought this season would be, like, like remember, like, Lord of the Rings. It didn't really win any Oscars until Return of the King, and then it won all the Oscars. So I was sort of hoping that was going to happen for Better Call Saul this week, but it didn't. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait for next year. And indeed, Abbott Elementary, thanks to that speech from Shirley Ralph, uh, wow, that put that show on a whole lot more radar. So I suspect it is going to be a massive second season. And uh, what a great story that a network sitcom is doing well and is going to do much better 
starting this upcoming week. So again, you can watch Abbott Elementary on Wednesday on ABC and on Global. And in a moment, we have some interesting films coming out this week, including a threequel that I kind of wonder, does this even need to exist? You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Let's look at what's new at the movies this week. We've got four to tell you about. Viola Davis stars in a movie based on true events. It's called The Woman King. An evil is coming that threatens our freedom. But we have a weapon they are not prepared for. In theater, September 16th. The Woman King tells the story of the Yagoji, an all-female unit of elite warriors who protected the African kingdom of Dahomey in the 1800s with a ferocity the world had never seen. Davis plays General Naniska, who is training the next generation to fight an enemy hell-bent on destroying their way of life. Looks remarkable and is getting tremendous reviews. Up next, see how they run. There's been a murder. It's a whodunit. Dead body. Must have been torture. Detective. What did he do that made you suspicious? And then all the suspects. Who's that? He's an overrated playwright. Celebrated playwright? Oh, I can't read my own handwriting. They end up in a remote country house. We are no longer merely suspects. We are also potential victims. <gasps> See how they run. Please stand back. He keeps the key. Ah! Under the mat. A murder mystery with a great cast set in 1950s London. A movie production based on a major play comes to a crashing halt after a member of the crew is murdered. Sam Rockwell plays the inspector. Saoirse Ronan plays a rookie constable. The cast also includes David Ayalowo, Adrian Brody, and many more familiar, hey, I know that person, faces. It's getting decent reviews. This one, next one is interesting for several reasons. One, I didn't realize it was happening until a couple of weeks ago. Two, it's only in theaters for a few days. I think it was originally only supposed to be for a couple of days, but due to high demand, they added a few more days in the States. Looks like in Canada, might be just three days. Also, the familiar characters in this story decide instead of sitting around watching the same movies over and over, they're going to make their own movie. It opens on Wednesday. It's Clerks 3. What's the movie going to be about? It's about him working here. Meta. Everything in the script is something either me or someone I know said. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Maybe Jay and Silent Bob could be characters. Jay and Silent Bob are like C-3PO and R2-D2. They've been here since the first movie, which was the last time they were cool. But they've been with the franchise so long, they still give them cameos and put them on the lunchboxes. Snoochie Booches! Please tell me why! I believe in you. You should put in that stuff you used to say about the Death Star contractors. Get sued by Disney? No way. Off your pants. Uh, what the hell is this? I added a scene where you get shot. I'm not letting you kill me off in the third act. What if there's a sequel? A sequel? What am I, a hack? 
Now, the original Clerks came out in 1994, the sequel 2006, and now 18 years later, we have a threequel. Actually, looks pretty good, getting okay reviews. And finally, this next one is a prequel to a movie that just came out in May. That movie was a slasher film called X, set in 1979, about a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas, but when they're reclusive, elderly hosts catch them in the act. The cast finds themselves fighting for their lives. It looked great, and it got great reviews. This one describes itself as an extraordinary origin story. It's called Pearl. Please, Lord, make me the biggest star the world has ever known so that I may get far, far away from this place. Now, caring for your family during these times is admirable. But you only get one take at this life. If only they would just die. Pardon? Nothing. Pearl is also getting great reviews. It's set in 1918 at the same rural Texas setting. It's the story of the villain from the previous movie, X. Pearl wants a glamorous life, but she's stuck at the family farm looking after her sick father and her mean mom. Eventually, she learns she has quite a mean streak herself, and bad things start to happen to everyone around her. Also of note, the woman playing Pearl, an actor named Mia Goth, also starred in X. So lots to choose from this weekend at the movies. And in a moment, we're going to tell you about the rest of season five of Cobra Kai. And I can't believe where Jeff has gone back again. Details next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. And in case you're not familiar with the setup here, I'm recording at the radio station. We work out of Winnipeg. Jeff has been working from home since the beginning of the pandemic, so we always just have a little quick text back and forth on, like, here's what I'm working on, and then I'll say, okay, here's what I'm working on. And when Jeff told me today what he's got cooking up, all I could do is sit back and laugh, and I thought, again, here we go. So what do you got for us? Well, we're going back to the Butlerverse, Brett, as part of my ongoing mission for uh, reasons I'm not entirely too sure of anymore, to watch every single Gerard Butler movie. And he's got a new one. At least I think it's new. It just came out on Prime Video, and it's called Last Seen Alive. Looking for my wife. You didn't see a woman in here? I don't know. Lisa! 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 Here? Oh, she's not. She's with you. Weren't you supposed to drop her off here? One minute she was there, the next minute she was gone. Did you have a fight? Is that what this is? 911, what's your emergency? Uh, yeah, I would like to report a missing person, my wife. Yeah, I'm a simple guy. I don't have any special skills. No secret service, no special forces. But if someone harms my wife. Several online sources say Last Seen Alive was in theaters over the summer, but it certainly did not have a wide release. It's at 11% on Rotten Tomatoes, but there are only nine reviews. Movies released in theaters with big-name stars don't just have nine reviews. So for all intents and purposes, I believe this past week was the first chance that most of us got to see this movie, and after watching it, I can sort of understand why it didn't get a big theatrical release. It feels a little undercooked, like they made two-thirds of a movie and then ran out of money, so they stopped. In the last scene alive, Gerard Butler plays 
Will Spann, a real estate developer who's having marriage problems. In fact, when the movie opens, Will is driving his wife, Lisa, played by Jamie Alexander, to her parents' house because she says she needs a break from him and she's going to stay with her folks. However, when they pull over to get gas, she goes inside the little store to buy a bottle of water and Butler simply never sees her again. And the whole movie is just him looking for her. He spends the first part kind of exasperated trying to figure out what's even going on. And when he finally realizes that she is probably kidnapped, he starts going on the hunt. He tries going to the police. They're not eager enough to help him, so he takes matters into his own hands. And then we sort of get two parallel investigations. We get his investigation and then the police investigation. And the unforgivable thing that this movie does is it basically basically makes Butler's investigation pointless. I mean, the two journeys are different, but the destination is the same. When it comes to the final act of the movie, the cops just show up there anyway. So it's like, well, Butler, you wasted all that time and sweat doing it yourself. You could have just ridden with the cops there. Uh, He would have saved himself a lot of trouble by letting the police just do their job. But I will say the saving grace of the movie is actually Butler's performance. He's very watchable in general, even when the material isn't good. He comes in a couple of different flavors usually. And this one, it's the fully, uh, I'm a regular guy stepping up to be the hero kind of thing, which is probably what he does best. The story is very thin, but I also had an easy time going along with it and buying Butler's character and the choices he made, even if they weren't always the right ones. I will point out that whenever he has a little bit of business to do to try to show that he's a regular guy, that's the most entertaining part of these movies because you can see him trying to look and act natural, but it feels so staged. It's so weird and awkward, but uh, it's it's funny and it also somehow usually just happens, it just works for some reason. In this movie, if you watch him putting gas in the tank of his car at the beginning of the movie, that's a good example. When he's done, he takes the nozzle and he just shuts the gas tank door without screwing the cap on first, which, unless he's got a car, the kinds of which I've never seen before, that that is just not how you finish putting gas in a car. It was really weird. And it's little things like that that I find delightful. But that thinness of the story is really drags this movie down. It's just over 90 minutes long, but I would say there's barely an hour's worth of story here. There are these long, long scenes of Butler scoping an area out, spying on people, things like that, that in any other movie, those scenes would be uh, shortened. They'd be three times shorter than what they are in this movie. And then the same goes for his initial meeting with the police. There's the obligatory scene where, you know, the police have to interrogate him to rule him out as a suspect. It's nothing we haven't seen a hundred times before. And it just goes on for way, way too long. And you really suspect that it does that because the filmmakers knew they didn't have enough story and they needed to get this thing out to 90 minutes. Um, you know, there's a much better of this better version of this movie that would clock in at like 70 minutes, but at 70 minutes, you can barely call it a movie. It's just a, it's an episode of TV at that point. So, and that's the tricky thing about some of these high concept movies. Not that the concept is very high in this case, but that simple premise of they stop to get gas and she just disappears. That's a good premise. It's very Hitchcockian, but I guess it was too hard for them to extrapolate a full story out of it. It sort of feels like they, like I said, they took the pilot to a TV series and just added an ending and made it into a movie. So this won't be going on any sort of best of list for Gerard Butler's career. But if you have Prime Video and you like Butler, it is worth a look. Two and a half couch cushions out of five for Last Seen Alive. How many movies you got left in the Butlerverse? I feel like probably half still. I don't know. <laughs> I, I've not counted. But every time, I, I, we don't do it every week, obviously, because well, that would just drive me insane. Uh, and he seems to put out like two new movies every year. So it's hard to actually make a dent in the, his uh, IMDb page because he, he works a lot. Yeah, that's fair. And you have watched 300, right? I have watched 300. That was the last one I watched. Greenland, I will submit, 
Uh, remains his best movie, I think. That one came out on Prime Video. Was that last year or late 2020? That was the one where uh, he, him and his family try to get to Greenland because there's a meteor's about to crash into the earth and screw things up. That came out maybe January, uh, 2020. July 2020. July 2020. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was good. I really enjoyed that. I should watch that yeah. again because um, I, I liked the approach from that movie. It was a disaster movie, but it wasn't about the special effects. It was about the chaos. Uh, and wh- how the world would re- would react yeah. to that kind of news. So good. It was good stuff. Uh, as for what I watched this week, I started it last week, and I gave you sort of a snapshot of what I had seen so far because I'd only had two or three episodes in the tank, but I have finished Season 5 of Cobra Kai. Chosen. Now you. This is where Miyagi Do ends. Miyagi Do existed before any of us. It'll be around long after we're gone. The roots are strong, so the tree will survive. Ah, so corny, and I love it so much. Cobra Kai is the continuation of the Karate Kid story. It's about the Karate Kid and his arch nemesis, Johnny Lawrence. But as grown up with kids, uh, grown ups with kids of their own, and it's just such a silly show, but it embraces it so well that it works pretty much perfectly. It's about these warring dojos. Danny LaRusso has Miyagi-Do, named after his trainer, his mentor, Mr. Miyagi, and the opposing faction is Cobra Kai. And in the original movie, they were the mean dojo, the bad guys that Johnny Lawrence was fighting for. But in this series, in an effort to try to clean his life up, he reopened the dojo while still teaching the tough lessons, but also trying to be a better version of it. But things happened. He lost the dojo. And now all of these villains from the sequel movies have popped up in various fashions, including Terry Silver, who was in the third Karate Kid. I got got to admit, I don't remember that movie at all. I may have never seen it. But he's a sneaky weasel in this, and he is fantastic. He's a great villain. And I just loved it. I loved this season so much i i feel like this is potentially the best if not the second best because the first season was was great season two was pretty good season three was was okay season four was i mean i i enjoyed them all but i really really enjoyed this like i had a hard time turning it off it was just so much fun and i i cheered like i cheered in the final episode that's how good i thought it was so if you if you like cobra kai then you're not going to be disappointed with this fifth season. It's fantastic. It is on Netflix. Well worth it. And because it's a, you know more of a comedy than a drama, the, the episodes aren't super long. So it's a pretty quick watch if you want to give her a rip. So I guess I'll give it, if i got to review it, I don't know, four and a half couch cushions out of five. It was great. Loved it. Oh, and speaking of Netflix, should point out, because I've talked about this over the years, there's a show that I love. It's been in my top 10 a couple of times. It's called Trapped. It's out of Iceland. The first season was about a murder mystery um, as like this body washes up in this fjord just as a ferry is coming in, just as a snowstorm is coming in to trap them all. And it was magnificent. The second season was 
really good, not as good as the first season. And now finally, because that first season, I think it came out officially in 2015, but it didn't land on Netflix, I believe, until 2017. And uh, season two was a couple of years later. So we finally have this third season, which is called Entrapped. And my understanding is that it might not be very good. So I need to watch this because I've been eagerly anticipating it and it just showed up like I was I was I didn't I've been I would check in it was one of those things where I would check every few weeks or few months to see if there's an update on that and um and then lo and behold there it was just sitting on my screen and I thought hang on a sec entrapped is this the mystery third season um I think yeah, it's like, been in the can for a while I, I thought I read something like in February that it had already aired in Iceland kind yeah. of a thing and people were waiting for it to show up in North America. Yeah, that's how season two went as well. Like it aired in Iceland way before we got it in North America. But like, look at this headline from the Irish Examiner TV review. Entrapped, the new season of Trapped has killed my Scandi Noir love affair. Oh boy, wow. that's not good. So we'll find out. I'll tell you next week, I guess. And up next, Jeff wants to tell you a little bit more about another actor. I, I, I sense a potential a new verse coming. We'll explain next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And we were talking about the Sylvester Stallone movie Samaritan a few weeks ago. And I mentioned that I've been watching quite a few Stallone movies over the past year. And I actually watched a couple of more since we watched Samaritan. And let's talk about them now. I bought this Rocky box set of Blu-rays a few months ago. And I've been making my way through the series. I finished that box set. And then I set off on the new batch of movies. And I rewatched. Creed. I should have stopped this movie, your father. I'm stopping this one now. Don't, okay? Let me finish. I gotta prove it. Prove what? I'm not a mistake. Look at me. I never got a chance to thank Apollo for helping me out after Mickey died. But it's nothing compared to what you've done. You taught me how to fight again, and I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna fight this thing. But if I fight, I want you to fight too. I want you to go across this ring and knock that son of a bitch down. Can you do it? Say it. I'm going to knock that son of a bitch down. I know you are. You know why? Because you are Creed, and I love you, kid. Go so. on. <laughs> Go get him. Go. Round 12 begins. How do you not get chills when that music comes in? Creed, I think, might be actually the best movie of the entire Rocky series. I mean, the first one's a classic. It won the Best Picture Oscar, but it is a little slow, and it has more than one entry in the This Has Not Aged Well category. I mean, usually stuff like that in old movies doesn't bother me, but there are some things in Rocky 1 that are kind of glaring and really take you out of the movie. Rockies 2, 3, and 4 are all terrifically entertaining, but there's a reason they did not get nominated at the Oscars. Rocky 5, not as bad as its reputation. Rocky Balboa, actually pretty good. But Creed is awesome. Michael B. Jordan as Adonis Creed, son of Apollo Creed. He's a terrific actor, period, and he's very believable as a boxer. The love story component of the movie between him and Tessa Thompson feels legit. It does not feel like filler that they've just shoved in there for the sake of having a love story. It feels fully realized. And then, of course, there's Sylvester Stallone making another comeback 
just like Rocky. Uh, it's weird. Creed is from 2015, seven years ago, but Stallone looks way older in it than he does in this year's Samaritan. But given the health problems that Rocky has, maybe that's on purpose. Um, as always, you know, Stallone just completely inhabits Rocky. It's at the point where I think if I met him in real life, I would probably spend most of my time thinking he was Rocky. He's done it so often. It just seems like that's the way he is, kind of dumb but sweet. Uh, of course, he's clearly a lot smarter than Rocky. He writes, he directs, he's found a way to keep him making movies long after anyone would have thought he would. But there's something special about Creed, and director Ryan Coogler, who had gone to make the Black Panther movie, revived the character and revived the series beyond anyone's expectations. I missed it in theaters because... Like a lot of people, I thought, really, a seventh Rocky season or a, a seventh Rocky movie? I don't need to see that. And it's too bad because, for one thing, the boxing scenes are incredibly well shot. Uh, the first round of Creed's first real match is all one single shot. And boxing choreography is not an easy thing to do, I can't imagine. Adding to that, you know, it's all from inside the ring. So you have the two boxers, the guy playing the referee, and the cameraman with the equipment all having a move in harmony. That could not have been easy at all. I also think Creed is the most realistic depiction of Philadelphia that I've ever seen. I mean, I've never been to Philly, but when I watch Creed, I always think, you know, I bet that's actually what it looks like if you go there. So there's, there's just something different about it. I don't know. Anyways, nothing but praise for Creed. And again, Sly robbed of that Oscar. He won the Golden Globe. He was the heavy favorite on Oscar night, but he lost to Mark Rylance from Bridge of Spies, which was a great movie, and he had a great performance, and even deserving of an Oscar, that performance from Mark Rylance, but not over Stallone, I don't think. The other movie I watched uh, for Stallone this week was never in danger of winning an award, except maybe a Razzie. It was Tango and Cash. Uh, I probably saw it shortly after it came on on home video back in 1989, but I honestly couldn't remember anything about it. If I'd seen it before, it was just that one time. 30 years ago. It's a dumb movie. It is a bad movie, but I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was so much fun. He plays a cop. Kurt Russell also plays a cop. They team up to take down a drug cartel led by Jack Palance, who has framed them for murder. It's just bad one-liners and dirty jokes and a lot of firepower, and it was just a blast to watch. I think half the fun was just, you know, the nostalgia for movies like that from that era, which is fine. It's always just looking for a 90-minute escape, and uh, Tango and Cash did just that. So there you go. A couple of classics of a sort from Sylvester Stallone, Brett. Where did you watch Tango and Cash? Where? Like, on what platform? Oh, I do not recall. <laughs> I searched around. It's out there somewhere. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll have to look that up as well because it's been years since I saw Tango and Cash. But yeah, that was a great movie. It's a sort of a, a, a classic 90s, uh, late, late 80s, early 90s kind of movie. So thanks for uh, the reminder on that. And that's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.